Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Norm and Peter podcast. I'm Peter. I'm Norm. And we've got a special guest today, uh, one Alex Ford. Hi. Thanks for having me. Ah, no problem. And Alex, you're here because we're talking about one guy, one guy from all of our collective past, one guy we he's, all know and love. He's still Chuck alive. Chuck Chuck Hassan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, he's 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 like a he's like a different Chuck a song. Yeah, he's like <laughs> the lesser known Chuck a song. Yeah, William Shakespeare. <laughs> William Shakespeare is what we're talking about today. Oh, oh that uh, guy. Oh yeah, that I guy, forgot about that him. Guy. Yeah, yes, he's, no, he's no Chuck a yes. song, but I mean he'll do. Right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh, we're here to talk about some Shakespeare and Alex. Yeah. What 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 what's your experience with Shakespeare? What is my experience with Shakespeare? Your Shakespeareance, per se. My Shakespeareance. Um, like, you want me to go, like, all the way back? Like, my first show or whatever, like, that I saw? Oh, oh, I didn't even sure. think about that. Um, yeah, I, yeah, start. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I think I saw Shakespeare in the Park for the first time when I was 12. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I'm going to act like I'm into it in the way that pretentious 12-year-olds do. Um, but oh, think- yeah, all those pretentious 12 year olds <laughs> those pretentious 12 year olds yeah um but i don't think i actually really got into it until i saw midsummer night's dream shakespeare in the park st louis 2016 um and liked that enough that i auditioned for slew's romeo and juliet um my senior year of high school despite at that time hating romeo and juliet and i was wrong i was objectively wrong about hating romeo and juliet you shouldn't do that um, <laughs> um, and that's where that's where Norm and I became friends. This is true. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we did that show. It was life changing all around. Um, and then we did another show um, in the spring. Me and our friend Sean co-directed. It sort of we sort of forced into existence this. <laughs> um, uh, how would blob you? Blob of Shakespeare. A <laughs> blob of Shakespeare. Yeah in the little and only theater of my high school it's called the little theater right <laughs> there only being one <laughs> just yeah. to like really give yeah. you a sense of the <laughs> space <laughs> they, they call the gym the big theater don't they <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah now, yeah now, they don't even call it the auditorium the, the school tries to call it the auditorium everyone else just calls it the old gym yeah that's what it is <laughs> the, the place where the ultimate frisbee teams <laughs> and the musical rehearsals trade every once in a while oh yeah that was a weird twilight zone <laughs> yeah. Twilight Zone. Yeah. We were in a we were in a musical rehearsal in there at one point and they sent us in there and like the entire like soccer team or something was doing like rhythmic workouts and we were just like we need that to sing, like... please. <laughs> that sounds like Corey is it. What what show were you in? Uh Bye Bye Birdie this year. Oh uh, fun. We were both in it. Uh yeah. I was Harvey Johnson and the old norm was Mr. Conrad Birdie. This um, is true. And then last year I was in 42nd Street in Corriezo. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, cool. Shakespeare. Norm, yeah. question. Yeah. yeah. What was your first experience with Shakespeare? Oh, geez. Your first um, experience. Probably, I think, I mean, everyone knows what Romeo and Juliet is, like as a child. <laughs> but um, I think Romeo and Juliet. God, no. no. I, <laughs> um, Really, you know, no. Um, I've never seen Romeo and Juliet, and I'd never oh, planned to. Oh, you're missing out. The first thing I ever saw, the first Shakespeare show that I can remember, 
is A Winter's Tale, which I saw in the most uncomfortable lawn chair you can imagine. It was like tilted towards the stage, so I was sitting on a slant. It was just, it was brutal. Um, And it did not make me want to do more Shakespeare. But then you did. I did, by accident, yeah. Accident? Yeah, I was... (laughs) uh, uh, You act like you accidentally went into... (laughs) I stumbled into the theater and I I was like, oh my God, is there an audition? You thought it was volleyball practice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was volleyball. I I didn't realize until too late that they were books and not volleyballs. And I was indeed reading lines and not bumping, setting, and spiking. That's the way we like it. Um, Cool. Well, my first experience with Shakespeare is a little strange. When I was in grade school, Every now and then they would bring in this like traveling troupe of Shakespeare performers to do entire Shakespeare shows, um, which sounds really cool on paper. But have you ever seen Macbeth when you're six years old? <laughs> because I have. I just, <laughs> you know, you know when kids, you're six years old and you just want to kill a king so you can like have power. And then you're like, you just have this massive dash with and death wish and dash with. a longing for, for death, you know. The kids I babysit actually. Um, they a couple of years ago we were in Forest Park and they're like oh what looking at a map they're like what's Shakespeare one and that has led to they love Shakespeare apparently they constantly want me to like tell them the plots of Shakespeare shows and we um I'm sorry you're getting that feedback or no that's good anyway um they we just the other day uh, I told them the story of Macbeth after three other shows they just kept going like tell us another one tell us another one I was like. <laughs> My voice hurts. So I told him the plot of Macbeth, and it, it kind of freaked out the younger kid. He's like seven or eight now. So, sorry, well, you said well, Macbeth. Well, yeah. Macbeth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame him. Uh, but yeah, that was my first experience with Shakespeare, was being six years old, sitting on my gym floor at 10 a.m. in the morning, watching Macbeth happen in front of me. <laughs> um, but that, the thing about it was because they knew they were performing for small children and they knew it was Macbeth. Um, what they did was before the show, they explained that the swords weren't real and no one was actually getting stabbed. And I thought that's really funny because they do the same thing as a satire in A Midsummer Night's Dream with the mechanicals. Oh, yeah. like, Don't worry, it's not an actual lion. <laughs> Do you, do you want me to? Do you want us to find the passage and read it? Is that uh, what these are let's for? Let's do it. But yeah. All right. Yeah. Now we, every single one of us, as Shakespeare lovers, has a Shakespeare Bible in front of us at the moment, <laughs> yep. so we can just dig into this, dig into it right now. Um, not to flex or anything, but I think mine takes the cake. It's from I think eighteen seventy nine. And my dad's coworker found it at a garage sale or an estate sale. It oh. is the property of Mildred Phelps Stuck. She had it bound for herself. So I think that's pretty, pretty wicked. That is pretty wicked. I think mine was stolen from the St. Louis U of I English department. <laughs> <laughs> I have one of those too. My, I have sisters who go there. They're just too socially like inhibited, like by. I don't know. I guess they think it's weird to return books to teachers, and so they won't give it back. Like, John Sheldon <laughs> needs his Shakespeare, and he was like, he can go buy a new one. 
Yep. Um, all right. Where? I'm, I found it. I'm trying what's to the, find... What's the number on that it, line? Oh, shoot. Mine doesn't have line numbers. But we're going to uh, enter Pyramus and Thisbe, Wall, Moon, Shine, and Lion. Okay. Uh, I'm there. I'm in five lines. Oh, my gosh. I it's, forgot how long yeah. of a monologue this is. Usually it's cut. Is Theseus's monologue? No, it's uh oh shoot, it's, it's Quinn. Bottom. Or it's no, Quinn's Quinn's is the he's the prologue, yeah. Yeah. It's like the only time Quinn stalks in the flame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for those uh, of you who are unfamiliar with the plot of Midsummer Night's Dream, um you've just watched an acid trip at this point. Just a, a straight up fairy induced acid trip. Um and there's been three weddings and while all of this was happening um like it interspersed with the rest of the very strange plot involving fairies uh there's been some working class people trying to put on a play and they're very bad at it and now they're about to perform the play for all of the people who just got married who are all nobility so it's like you're at a wedding and you're like your like drunk family members are just like, hey, we got a show for you, baby. But don't worry, we're not actually hurting each other. It's fake in case you thought we were actually going to kill each other. And it's supposed to be a tragedy, except that it is the funniest thing ever. Yeah, it's brilliant. All right. So is, is someone doing Quince's prologue then? Or are we... I, well, I, I'm having trouble finding this. It's... Do you have lines, Norm? Gentles perchance you wonder at this show. It's like, I don't have to read it. I don't know where. It's five one one twenty seven. Oh, very good. Okay. Okay, so now somebody else read it. Okay, very good. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, what the funny part actually comes earlier in the show when Bottom's trying to explain to um, I think Quinn's. He's like, he's like, won't they be afraid? And he's like, oh, don't worry. We'll explain it right at the yeah. beginning. Like, don't yeah. worry. It's not a real lion. It's not a real sword. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right. Because this part, he just tells the entire plot. Oh, of oh the yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. The yeah. lion. What? Where is he? Because uh, it's like right here. He's got to like have his face stick out through half of the mask. And yeah. Tell them, and say, ladies. No. Fair ladies. Oh, I've got it. I found it. So it's uh, so it's it's snug, snug the joiner playing oh, the yes. lion, and he says, "You ladies, you who with gentle hearts do fear the smallest monstrous mouse that creeps on floor, may now perchance both quake and tremble here when lion rough in wildest rage doth roar. Then know that I, as snug the joiner, am a lion fell, nor else no lion's dam." For if I should as lion come in strife into this place, twere pity on my life. So he's just like, ladies, it's, it's me. I'm not a real lion. Don't be scared. It's, it's like this guy just trying to mansplain to an audience of what he thinks are terrified women. He's like, yeah. hey, guess what? I'm not a real lion. Don't be afraid. I thought you were stupid enough to think I was. So, you know, just in case. Uh, but yeah. 
So that's the story of the first time I ever saw Shakespeare. It was that basically, <laughs> but with Macbeth. <laughs> it was Shakespeare. It was Midsummer Night's Dream, except it wasn't. Except yeah. it was Macbeth. It was so a serious. Macbeth Summer Night's Dream. Yeah. I wanna I wanna try staging like mashups of Shakespeare shows because that sounds like a mess. Oh, that's what we but did. Like, really? <laughs> no, I mean really like weird. total rewrite. So like oh. it's it's a coherent it's it's a it's a show, but it's two shows. <laughs> But it's messy and gross and the worst. But it's like Titus Andronicus and Much Ado About Nothing. It's like, <laughs> like really wholesome play and just like Act One, Scene One has twenty four dead bodies in it. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, um, what do you think? Uh, um, it's just yeah, King Lear stumbles upon Twelfth Night. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like utter. So despair. like they're all just like there's a wacky love triangle and then this like. <laughs> senile old man starts screaming about storms King Lear comes in he's like he's like going insane and then he sees Ophelia and he's like wait hold on I'm in love too yeah. then the yeah. two fools fight each other yeah Lear's fool would totally win in a fight Lear's fool would totally win in a fight that man scares me Lear's fool dies though like at least the one in Twelfth Night lives to the end. Yeah, that's true. And we don't even know like... what killed the fool and Lear. Like it's just like it's I mean, that's gone. King Lear. I think being in King Lear <laughs> implies that you're going to die by the end of it. <laughs> Imagine if they replaced Malvolio with like the fool with Malvolio. So instead of having like this like optimistic like perspective from the fool with the king, you just have this like piece of garbage Malvolio. You just have Dwight from the ben office. Volio. <laughs> yeah, he's like Dwight trying to support like a Michael who's going insane. So I, I, um, what I didn't mention in my earlier, uh, what's your connection to Shakespeare, Alex, is the fact that I've all but sold my soul to the ghost <laughs> of William Shakespeare. I most of my time at college is spent um, either acting in, assistant directing for, or doing various events because I'm on the board of the not so Royal Shakespeare Company. Uh, at Notre Dame, a pun on the Royal Shakespeare Company in London. Um, great group of people, wonderful group of people. Shout out to all of them. Uh, they keep me sane. And oh, very good. So um, last year we were picking our shows for the for next year's season, as the board does. And someone pitched a idea, a a concept for an edit, for a version of Twelfth Night that um, would have been absolutely wonderful. It didn't end up happening because our uh, club moderator was like, hey, uh, let's do King Lear. And we were like, oh, okay. And then we ended up doing the other guy's original play instead. And that was awesome because we were still able to do it via Zoom. Um, but so the idea was doing Twelfth Night uh, like as the office. Like, <laughs> like, like Orsino's like got, like, yeah, like, like, like Orsino's got his desk in one corner and Olivia's got her desk in the other corner and Viola is just the tired intern they keep back and forth between them the fool is just like looking into the like the audience space the entire time like <laughs> malvolio is dwight i wish it had happened i it would see so that well. i would see that a thousand times i think like i know right oof. yeah that yeah i want to like 
I don't know. I, reimaginings of Shakespeare always interest me because they're good. They're like really interesting ones like that. And then the rest of them are just like, let's put it in the 1920s and not change anything. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, let's put them in suits. That'll be cool. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly what we did for our... Um... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's literally... We weren't supposed to have it in the 20s, but like our direct... I was like one of the costume designers for it. And when you're a, when you have a budget of like two corn chips and a two dollar bill <laughs> like you sort of have to just work with whatever everyone has in their closets we're like okay suits like most people have those and they're like he's like but i want it to be period and we're like i don't know how to stress enough to you that like going period is not as easy as it sounds so we're like what if we just gave everyone suspenders and he was like okay <laughs> that's on period there we go it's period now period. yeah oh fantastic I had nothing to say. You I had was nothing totally to say. improving. Oh, cool. Well, I read a book recently. It's not a Shakespearean play or anything, but it's, it was really, so it's a book called Station Eleven, uh, <gasps> but you've read it. You've read it. Yes. You've read it. Okay. So not even kidding. This was like back in March when all this pandemic biz was just starting. I found it on my shelf because my sister had to read it for school or something. And it said, the world has been destroyed by a global pandemic. And I was like, I need to read this. And then I kept reading the back of the book. And it was like a group, an orchestra and a group of uh, like Shakespeare players just traversed the apocalypse performing shows for people. And I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I need to read it. And then I did. And it was the coolest thing ever. And I want that's like, what? Oh, that seems like what Shakespeare was like in its own time. Like, you know, the, <laughs> like everyone's dying all the time because it's the olden days. And then, like, these, like, acting groups are just going around, like, throwing on shows that people, like, kind of watch. Mm-hmm. It's hands down the best apocalypse book um, that I've ever read. Oh, totally. Because, so there's this, like, th- there's a concept that I follow when it comes to world building. It's, like, the best way to build a world is to show not how, like, the hero sees it, but how, like, everyday people would. So, like, by focusing, instead of on the people who caused it or the people trying to, like, fight the pandemic or whatever, just these people who are trying to, like, make their way in the world and spread a little joy with art, I was like, that's such a cool frame for it. Um, yeah. That was, I want, is, is there more in that series? Because I've only I read the one. It. I think, I don't think it's a series, which is honestly good, because um, I don't know how they could have improved on it, because it, it wasn't. It was coming out at the same time as like Hunger Games, Divergent, and all that, but it wasn't all like them. It was, it felt, it was about what it means to be human, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like, even, I haven't read it in like a couple of months, but like the writing felt really poetic almost. Like so much of it was really like, I don't know, it was just, it was something else. It was a good read. Norm, you have to read Station Eleven. Oh, yeah, I'll get on that. I Wait, have a break. copy, I'll throw it at you. Thank you. That can be our next book club book. I'll read it again. That's fine. Okay. Um, so, uh, when there's there's a lot of talk, and I don't want to name names, except William Shakespeare. We're kind of too many. That he's like a fraud because like a lot of what claim what like is claimed to be his work like isn't his work. Does does anybody have any comment? on this this drama yes but if you have something if you have it peter go first because no i don't have anything yeah okay so um so shakespeare did write shakespeare um oh there's controversy like that's that's my firm opinion um 
my I know someone who works at the Folger Shakespeare Center in DC, which is like the biggest Shakespeare center in America. They're the ones who produce the like copies that like high schools make everyone buy because they've got like notes in the margins, but not too much notes in the margins. Um, and uh, she said one of her colleagues like found the definitive evidence that says like, yeah, Shakespeare wrote Shakespeare. But like even before then, a lot of the evidence saying he didn't was like, kind of classist like he couldn't have done this he just went to element he didn't like have a college degree or whatever because mm-hmm. like most of the other like great writers in britain have all gone to oxford or cambridge but he was just like a dude yeah uh, we heard uh peter and i learned in our shakespeare class earlier that he learned in a school for like he would go to school it would be dark outside. He'd leave school. It would be dark outside for like the entire year. Like that's just the way his school would have worked, which is kind of depressing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I guess it, you know, it worked. Mm-hmm. 100% just teaching kids to read the Bible <laughs> all day, all year. <laughs> and like old Greek classics and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Where so much of his source material comes from. Yep. If their question is, did Shakespeare come up with all of his own plots and stuff? Absolutely not. Like it was all borrowed from source material. Um, yeah. And improved almost all of the time. Like when you read the source material, it's like, huh, this is kind of crap. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm just gonna go read the Shakespeare's version instead. I mean, yeah. I mean, that makes sense because like anybody can write a story about people falling in love, and anybody can write a story about someone who kills to be bet like to become a king but when but it's like hamlet is lion king it's like i would watch lion king before i read hamlet it's the same story but one is told a little bit more entertaining than the other well yeah it's like so like romeo and juliet is obviously based on pyramus and thisbe the greek uh tragedy do you ever like read pyramus and thisbe and you just wish man i wish this wall talked more <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's why we got Shakespeare. <laughs> That's why we got Shakespeare, yeah. Um, shoot, what you just said, Norm, reminded me of a quote I saw the other day. Apparently, Neil Gaiman made some kind of comic book series. Um, and in it, Shakespeare is a character or something, I guess. But um, all I all I had that I saw was this quote, which I think is pretty great. And what you were talking about, like, like anybody can write an emotion that's happening, but like mm. not everyone can write it. The There's a specialness to the way that Shakespeare does. Yeah. Um, he said, what, the quote is, whatever happened to me in my life happened to me as a writer of plays. I fall in love or fall in lust. And at the height of my passion, I would think, so this is how it feels. And I would tie it up in pretty words. I watched my life as if it were happening to someone else. My son died and I was hurt. But I watched my hurt and even relished it a little, for now I could write a real death, a true loss. My heart was broken by my dark lady, and I wept in my room alone, but while I wept, somewhere inside I smiled. For I knew I could take my broken heart and place it on the stage of the globe, and make the pit cry tears of their own. I'm sorry, who is that quote from? Neil Gaiman, pretending to be Shakespeare. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like it's Shakespeare because it's like the globe, but that, like we don't really have quotes from him. <laughs> Shakespeare's Other than friend. his, like, <laughs> yeah, Shakespeare's bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
like his Twitter comments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have some quotes here, you know, from Shakespeare. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to like do, oh, wait, no. Hold on. Sorry, my plan was foiled by, um, by this website. Oof. Yeah. Are you just looking up like, feel free to improvise around this mistake. Shakespearean insults. <laughs> that was, see, that's just what like, I want. Shakespearean I want some Shakespearean why don't, why don't we keep, we don't call people villains anymore. It's yeah. so late. I want to start calling I, people like, you're a villain. Oh, let me <laughs> them get super pissed off about it. You know? There's a fantastic, there's like a paragraph of just solid insults in King Lear. Oh, let me find it. Who, it's, um, what's his name? The guy, Kent. It's, it's Kent. Kent saying it to Gloucester? It's Gloucester. To right? Oswald. Oh, it's Oswald. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they just, I remember reading that. That was so like, because you, you don't really have a feel for Kent by then. Because at the beginning, he's just like, oh, King Lear kicked him out, but that's because King Lear's kind of crazy. But then Kent is just like full off the rails by now after like <laughs> two pages, man. It's like, and he's also supposed yeah. to be like old, but then it's just like stage direction beats him. <laughs> like, <laughs> he just, he just, yeah. Kent, man. Oh, here's, okay, I have a list of Shakespeare insults. Yes. This one kind of hurts. <laughs> A most, this is from All's Well That Ends Well, Act 3, Scene 6. A most notable coward, an infinite and endless liar, an hourly promise breaker, the owner of no one good quality. This is like, you were the worst person I have ever met in no my life. The owner of no one good quality. My, one of my favorite things that's in Shakespeare is they go, oh, by my five wits, or like, he has not five wits, or whatever, because they're basically just making a one brain cell joke. Yeah. <laughs> By my five brain cells. <laughs> oh, here's Lear. I just, I passed it. <laughs> I'll beat thee, but I would infect my hands. <laughs> Timmons, Tim. Timon of Athens. Time, yeah. Time Timon of Athens. Timon, Timon. My wife's a hobby horse. I don't know what that is. Oh, that's from Winter's Tale. <laughs> what is that? That's just insulting your own life. Thou lily-livered boy. <laughs> Be gone, three-inched man. Away, you three-inch fool. My apology. Three inches, I would need to read the whole Helena and Hermia fight from... Yeah. You puppet! Oh, shoot. Where is the... I think Hermia calls Helena like a maypole at some point. Oh, thou painted maypole. I was Lysander in a production, and that scene is so long. It's like 17 minutes. Yeah, well, um, so this summer, during pandemic stuff, when we were, uh, so we, Norm and I, got like a group of friends together to read the entirety of A Midsummer Night's Dream in one Zoom call. Oh, God. It was, we didn't know what we were in for, but... <laughs> We yeah. did it, and it took like three and a half hours. <laughs> I bet, especially if you didn't have enough people for it. Oh, My absolutely. Have been doing that over the summer too, but people drop uh, for a club centered around Shakespeare. There's more people willing to volunteer to do parts. Yeah, we did it with people who did not want to do it, and so many people dropped out halfway through. Yeah, 
I think by the end, I, I started out just Demetrius, but then I ended up like Demetrius, Quince, and Theseus, despite the fact that they all speak in the same scene. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Theseus oh my... has the most lines in... No, Nick Bottom has the most lines in the play, followed by Theseus. Yeah, well, because Theseus, once that man starts talking, he <laughs> does not stop. It's just <laughs> like, I'm going to talk about my dog for three pages. <laughs> yeah. Mm. This is a ballet version of Midsummer Night's Dream, and in it, Hippolyta has a whole like ballet sequence with like dogs, but the dogs are like people wearing giant dog heads, <laughs> and it makes about as much sense as it does in the play, which is not cool. I'm trying to find. I think I may have found the. Bit. Alex, you said that Midsummer Night's Dream was like an acid trip, but I really think it was more like an ass head trip for Nick Bottom. So, I've so, been, I, I thought about that like the second you said it. I've been sitting on that one for a while. What are both of your um, <laughs> favorite... Norm just died. What'd you find? Sorry. What'd you find, oh, baby? In, uh, in Titus Andronicus, <gasps> Act 4, Scene 2. Villain, I have done thy mother. Thy mother. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those situations where like Aaron... Like, there's all this racism surrounding Aaron that you can't get away from if you're going to put on Titus Andronicus. But at the same time, Aaron is, like, clearly demarcated as the smartest and best character in the entire play. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, the rest of the play, except for the, like, terrible stuff that happens to, um, what's the girl's name? Lavinia? Honestly, I I think Titus Andronicus was meant to be a black comedy. Like, there's that whole scene where they keep falling into the hole, and it reads like a Three Stooges thing. Like, ah, oh, oh look, there's a hole here. Ah, brother, where did you go? I've fallen into a hole. Oh, what's going on down there? I don't know. I can't see anything. It's too dark. And it just like keeps going. Ah, oh, there's a body down here. How did you see it? If it's dark in the hole. <laughs> And he's like, oh, I can't pull you out. I guess I'll fall in. Ah! And then I get framed for murder. Well, that's why they call him William Slapstick. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It's weird business. Um, have you guys ever heard of an author named Ian Dosher? Is his name William Shakespeare? Oh, no. Oh, but it's no, I have not heard I've told you about this, Norm. I'll be back in one second. Uh, oh, he's gone. Okay. That's fine. Um, you were as a candle, the better burnt out. That's kind of I'm back. Dark. Okay, so I've showed you this before, Norm. I hold in front of you um, the great lost Shakespeare play. Um, it's William Shakespeare's Get Thee Back to the Future. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot he wrote that one. Yeah, yeah. But no, so this guy, Ian Dosher, he takes movies and he writes them into full Shakespeare-esque plays. Um, he Can started doing it with all the Star Wars movies. So, like, oh, I... he's that guy! Yeah, yeah. Um, but then he branched out, and I know he's done, other than Star Wars, he's done Back to the Future, and he's done Mean Girls. Um, <laughs> I don't have the Mean Girls one, but I do have Get Thee Back to the Future. Um... I don't know if you guys can tell, but I'm kind of a Back to the Future fan. What <laughs> um, says it? The poster your shirt. Um, can we, can we hear a, a passage of Get Me Back to the Future? Oh, yes, please. Yeah, I'm going to try to find the... You built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Um, 
while you're looking for it, I will go show you a interesting Shakespeare adaptation book of my own. And she's gone. <laughs> Henry the Fifth, thou damned and luxurious mountain goat, thou cream, <laughs> thou cream-faced loon. <laughs> Uh, this is great. I love this. is great. It's it's wonderful. Mm. <laughs> okay, so um, as we all know from Back to the Future, Marty says you built a time machine out of a DeLorean, and Doc says, "I figure if you're going to build a time machine, you might as well do it with some style." So, in Get the Back to the Future, the Great Lost Play of William Shakespeare, mm -hmm. um, the line is. Dost thou tell me thou built a time machine inside the frame of a DeLorean? To which Doc responds, As I perceive the matter, if one shall create a time machine out of a car, then wherefore not fulfill the task with style? <laughs> Beautiful. It's, the, the it's wonderful, really. Here, it's amazing. What I have brought back to you all is Romeo and or Juliet, a choose your own adventure, Romeo and Juliet. Oh, that's amazing. And my favorite discovery is that it has within it almost like mini game versions of other plays. So there's a, a five page um, Midsummer Night's Choice by, it says, Christina Marlowe. Um, the adventure is being chosen by you story featuring both fairies and drugs. And at the end with five possible endings. And at the end of this, if you get, if you choose the correct ending, you have a two-page mini-comic, like Pyramus and or Thisbe, is, where you can choose what happens to Pyramus and Thisbe. This is meta. This is very meta. It's very meta, yeah. <laughs> In all of it, the variations, Juliet is a bodybuilder. <laughs> <laughs> that is an inescapable Why? fact of Juliet's character. Does it just happen throughout? Or no, that was in the original, reality? don't you remember? Well, they oh, age yeah. her up. <laughs> they age her up. Yeah. Just like so... ripped. <laughs> yeah. Dost thou even lift Romeo? <laughs> exactly. There's also Mad Libs, if you guys would like to play a round of Mad Libs Shakespeare. Oh, okay. Well, I think please. we have to, yeah. Okay. That's what, that's what our listeners are here for. Yeah. All right. Should, should we Much ado just... about Mad Libs. <laughs> I guess Peter and I can just take turns. Yeah, pick a, yeah. Pick a play. Let me see if they've got... We've got As You Like It. Oh, um, more As You Like It. Preferably Hamlet. Oh, Hamlet. Let's do Hamlet. Hamlet. Okay, Hamlet. we're doing Hamlet. All right. Okay, this will be a good one. So, part of the body. Peter, would, who wants to go? Um, I'll go. Uh, liver. Liver. <laughs> good. I can't All shake. Right. That's very Shakespearean. Yes. Yeah. Like Lily Lord, yeah. First name, comma, male. Oh, um, oh, oh, geez. Oh, oh my God. Oh, oh, I I was thinking of one. No, I was just kidding. Um, uh, Bill. 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 Our good Billiam Shakespeare. Billiam, yeah. <laughs> Adjective. Um, let's. 
I know, I, I know adjectives, but uh, <laughs> can I can I work a knave into an adjective? Can it be like knave? That, that's a noun. I can list it as a noun later. Okay. There's a noun later. We'll go with okay. We'll go knave. Uh, knave. Bounce back to you, Norm, for an adjective. Wait. Oh, slippery. Slippery. That's an excellent adjective. Slippery part of the body again. <laughs> oh, good, Peter. Um, let's say second largest tap. Oh, I like it. Specific. Yeah. Part of the body, plural. No. Third and fourth nipples. <laughs> does that is that okay? Is that regulation? I someone's body, I guess. I saw a cat today. Never mind. I know. <laughs> this cat. I, I know exactly where this is going. It's yeah. crazy. This cat and its nipples. It was. It was insane. Anyway, please continue. Verb past tense. Mm, let me think. Um, struck. Boom. Plural noun. Oh, um, stockings. Okay. What color stockings are? Oh, like Christmas. Like, but you wear them. <laughs> like Shakespearean stockings, but they're like Christmas colored. <laughs> I was Not hoping yellow. you'd say yellow, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I saw a great, I saw a great performance of um, like super minimalist five actors version of Twelfth Night. And all their props have to be carried in one trunk. And I was wondering what they would do for the cross gartering. Um, and they did the single best take on the cross gartering I have ever seen in a like modern adaptation of Twelfth Night, which is yellow tights and like weird like 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 only way to describe it is like some weird kinky leather like wrappings <laughs> like like tobias like on his in... legs over the yellow oh oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. wow <laughs> which i then understood why the cross gartering was so funny that must have like that that must have been essentially like how funny it was perceived in shakespeare's time yeah totally it i wept there were tears coming out of my eyes <laughs> Another plural noun. Um, is it me now? No, I think it yeah. is. Um, let's say umbrellas. Mm, I oh. like it. Oh. So sure. are we? Oh. Um. <clears throat> oh. 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 Okay. <clears throat> Stabbed. Stab. Stab. Stabbing. Stab, stab, stabbing. This is Hamlet. Yeah. A place? Yeah. A place. Um, um, okay. Let me think. Can I just like break it and do a different shape? Like, can I say Verona? Can it be a completely yeah, different yeah. Shakespeare place just to break the story? Absolutely. Ver another I verb. mix it up a bit. Verb. Oh, oh God. I was not prepared for this. Oh, 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 um, okay. Um, boiling. 
That's a verb, right? Yeah. To, to boil, yeah. <laughs> to boil, yes. Plural noun. Um. Socks. Mm, My mind's still on Twelfth Night. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Okay, carry on as I copy this into here. Brilliant. Um, Noam. Yes. Have you ever seen a man with yellow socks out in the street and think, that guy got a letter from a house staff telling him that the lady he serves is secretly in love with him? Because that's the only thing I ever think when I see a man in yellow socks. Wait. Wait. I, okay, this is from Twelfth Night. <laughs> it's right? been a while since we've read Twelfth Night. Malvolio. It's Malvolio and his bonkers stockings right yes and he gets a letter from mary okay okay maria. i'm just piecing maria. this all together making sense all this no i haven't peter what happens when that happens that's what i think when that happens is i think oh that person received <laughs> oh. a forged letter from the waitstaff of the woman he serves trying to oh, convince him into... <laughs> glad we got that covered. i'm glad i'm sorry yeah this is uh so to sign up for with the Norman Peter podcast is great riveting stories such as this one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw, I saw a 12th night back in the fall um, at a uh, big slough and their Malvolio was just like literally crazy. And it was amazing. <laughs> he was just like, his eyes were always bulging and he screamed like all of his lines, but it worked so well. Um, like and, the King and Hamilton. Yes. Sort of but with the worst singing voice. Oh. <laughs> but no, like the Malvolio was just like super insane and it was brilliant. Um, and they put him in a big bird cage when they locked him up. <laughs> and well, what happened was, so, so the Festi, the fool in this production of Twelfth Night, we got there and we're sitting in the theater and the director comes out on stage and she says, our Festi broke his leg last night. And we're just like, oh man, this is going to be rough. So we did the whole show in crutches and he was like good in crutches because he worked him into the performance. So that's the festy. And what happens is, so in the scene where the fool goes to like mess with Malvolio when he's in the birdcage, the first thing he does is, so Malvolio is like in this huge birdcage. Um, and what the fool does, he comes up behind him and he has both of his crutches and he just bangs on the side of the birdcage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's like, hysterical. Yeah. I don't. I don't even know what it would be like without the crutches, because he just like he sold it so well, and he did like <laughs> like. There's another point in it where he's begging because that's what he's doing for the whole show, and it was he just pouts and points at his broken leg. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good acting, right it's there. It's so that's, good. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, but yeah, but anyway, do we have a Hamlet Mad Lib? We, do we do have our have lips. A Hamlet Act Five, Scene One. Actually, I will um. I'll, I'll get myself a prop for this. Just oh, good. Oh. Huh? So, Peter. The norm. <laughs> um, what? What do you say? <laughs> you were just making noise to kill time. No, That's no. the podcast business, baby. Yeah. Making noise to kill time. Oh, good, okay. she's back. Okay. Hamlet takes the liver. <laughs> Alas, poor Bill, 
I knew him, Horatio, a fellow of infinite jest, of most slippery fancy. <laughs> he had bore me on his second biggest toe a thousand times. And now how abhorred in my, in my imagination it is. My gorge rises at it. Here hung those third and fourth nipples that I have struck. I know not how oft. <laughs> Where be your stockings now? Your gambles, your songs, your umbrellas of merriment that were wont to set the knave on a roar. Not one now to stab your own grinning? Quite chapfallen? Now get you to my lady's Verona and tell her, let her boil an inch thick. To this favor she must come. Make her laugh at socks. Brilliant. Cool. It was kind of a depressing monologue from Hamlet. <laughs> Introduced slapping Hamlet. the third and fourth nipples. Slapping. <laughs> he bore me on his second biggest toe. <laughs> That's a big toe. Like I can't imagine how or big his first toe is. It's like a really ripped yeah. second biggest toe. I mean, if that's his second biggest toe, imagine what his biggest toe looks like. Yeah, seriously. Right? Like, imagine though it's like just the second biggest one that's like jacked. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like yeah. he's really been working out. He's he skipped leg day, but he didn't miss second biggest toe day. Second biggest yeah, toe. like the second biggest toe is ripped, but like the first toe is like it's biggest in length, but it's just scrawny. Yeah, it's like a finger. So this <laughs> and the second so biggest toe is like a thumb or something. <laughs> just the amount of muscle mass just, on that guy. Yeah, you should. See, he's broken nine gas pedals in his car. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Pushes right through it. Well, that's why didn't Shakespeare ever write the story about that guy, that Bill and his yeah, big, his big Bill. toe, <laughs> Bill and his big toe, and it's going on big big toe Bill and big toe Bill. Of his third and fourth nipples. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. All we just got to do is keep looking. We might find it. Right. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's, it's in the second right. folio. <laughs> oh He's yeah. Featured in Love's Labor's One. Loves, loves. <laughs> Bill is the, he's the fifth guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of Love's Labor's Lost, that's a fantastic play, and not enough people talk about it. I don't think I really like. I think Love's Labor's Lost might actually be my favorite Shakespeare. Really interesting. Yes, just because like, um, I don't know. It might help. I uh, last year Shakespeare in the Park and Forest Park, Love's Labor's they did a fantastic job of it. Like, um. Hot take for both of you, Romeo and Juliet stands. I really did not like Romeo and Juliet in the park. It might have been because I, oh, no, I saw sucks. your brilliant performance earlier in the fall. That was amazing. Um, no, it sucks in the park. It no, was yeah, so the bad. And the, although the trumpet solo was pretty good. Oh yeah, they I just like agree. threw in a trumpet solo in there and it slapped hard. Yeah. But then it was they like were. It... No, no, no fault to Paris. Both of us have both Norm and I have played Paris, but like when your Paris is the highlight of the performance, you failed as a Romeo and Juliet like, <laughs> yeah. performance. It felt like they were trying to do the Boz Lerman, but wouldn't commit. You know, they were because they were kind of weird and modern and hip about it, but they didn't go all the way. Um, yeah, like that's the thing about the Boz Lerman Romeo and Juliet. That movie is insane and it's a mess, but it's so fun because they commit yes <laughs> yes it is oh my uh, gosh exactly chuck i think sums it up best he said the fact he said the foundational premise of the shakespeare in the park Roman and juliet last year was that teenagers can't fall in love 
and so the whole play, the whole not... play fell apart. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was just like, oh, I guess we just gotta kill time for three hours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Somebody make random noises. Yeah. It made me. It made me cry when I should have been laughing, and laugh when I should have been crying. Like I was rolling during the death scene. Oh my god, <laughs> hysterical! He was like, "Here's to my love." Chug, <laughs> like he said it like he knows. <laughs> I remember the Romeo just playing it super tired, and so it's like, how are you supposed to, how are you supposed <laughs> to like energize your crowd when Romeo's just like, uh, he was the, the single worst play. actor I'd ever seen on a stage. Oh damn! Like, it, like a, like a, at least when like someone's expecting you to like enjoy the show, you know, it's not like a yeah. great cool performance or something. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But yeah. It was weak, but then Love Lovers Lost was amazing and fantastic, and every it was so much fun to watch. Um, especially because I had never seen it before. This was my first experience with Love's Labor's Lost, and it was really convenient because I took a Shakespeare class this year, and our summer reading was Love's Labor's Lost. So I saw the show and then read the play. Um, yeah, it was it was so good. It was like, yeah. oh, I don't even know. It was because I don't. I feel bad, but I don't remember because it, it was a year ago. But I mean, I remember it being really good. But that's um, about it. But like the. Uh, all the main men and the women, like the two groups, they were both fantastic. They were both like Love's Labor's Lost is such a show where the meat and like so much of it, I think, hangs on. Um, I guess this goes for a lot of Shakespearean comedies, but specifically ones where it's kind of like low stakes almost. But like the actors just felt like they were having like so much fun in the parts where, yeah. like, you know, like, um, when like the women are goofing on the men when they're like switching <laughs> spots and everything and when the men dress up as Russians and go dance for them. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Like, that yeah. was so fun to watch with Sean Kelter, who had no clue it was coming and then suddenly there's just our friend is a total Russophile, loves Russia and like is a Russian major and then they just come out, they're like, We are from we are Muscovites. <laughs> me, me, me. Like they did that weird me, me. And he was just like, Ah <laughs> like, his mind short circuit. Oh, um, the moat and our motto—they were fantastic. Um, yeah, two of them, like, oh, and the, okay, the moat was like off the charts, especially for like a child actor. That was so good. I'm pretty sure that was actually an adult woman. Was it actually? Yeah, yeah. My <laughs> bad. A, a, an adult woman that looked like a child. short person. That was the acting was so good. She sold it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um. Yeah, they were so good. Um, oh yeah, the the Armado was crazy good. I oh jeez, that yeah. I want to go back and see that production again. It, um, I think it's a testament to him that someone I I know said usually when someone puts on a fake accent in a Shakespeare play, it's just awful and it grates on me. But he did that perfectly. It was, like oh he yeah, sold that freaking Spanish accent. To comedic effect so well, <laughs> mm-hmm. and also, um, well, this isn't necessarily just um, because it was my first experience with Love's Lakers Lost. The ending, I was like, "This is amazing!" Because oh. it's it's not it's oh, I love subversion, and that's dumb because you shouldn't just love subversion for the sake of it. But I do, <laughs> and um, just the fact that it ended in such like a different and like intelligent way compared to other Shakespearean comedies. It felt so like almost modern in a way, in the sense that it's just like, it's a more like, it's an emotionally intelligent ending 
to this show. And I was like, that's incredible. That's amazing. I've never seen that in a Shakespearean comedy. I mean, not that all Shakespearean comedies end in like emotionally stupid endings, but (laughs) like, um, but this one called for it because it could have just been like, yeah, "Yeah, they get together, whatever. But like, it was like, yeah, it's great. That actually, there's a funny story behind my going to see that last year. So, um, Norm, I don't, do you know the story of the time that Sean and Teddy convinced me it was possible to go apple picking at Jazz at the Bistro? <laughs> Excuse me? Is that possible? Because it's a thing I want to do now. I don't okay, think, I'm I glad don't think that, that you had exactly possible. the same reaction that I did to it, which was utter gullibility and just this is a, it. This is a jazz club. Where do you, where do you think you're going to pick apples at? I'm I curious. Like, I figured it was like, I, I envisioned they'd have like, pre-picked like barrels of apples would be like apple picking quote unquote like just walk around and peruse different like apples to support local farmers or something like you listen to jazz like but where what what happened when you got there were you just like where's the apples and they were just like we lied to your face so we could go listen to jazz what if they were just i would have i would have gone just for jazz so what happened was it was my birthday and Sean and, Teddy and, Chuck... Sean and Teddy and Chuck wanted to surprise me. And Sean and Teddy wanted to see just how ridiculous of a thing they could convince me we were doing instead of going to Shakespeare in the Park to see Loves I Just Lost. Picking up oh, oh, oh. It had like a yeah. backup event ready in the event that I didn't believe it. But Sean texts me and goes, hey, Alex, Teddy wants to know if we want to go apple picking at Jazz Bistro. <laughs> Two activities that I enjoy. And I said, wait, that's a thing? And Sean said, yes. And I said, that's amazing. It didn't take any convincing. <laughs> he just had to say, he, all he had to do was double down. That, I don't fairness, know how to react to that. In all fairness, that's because I expected Teddy to know how it was possible but yeah. not Sean. So I figured it wasn't worth asking Sean how it worked. <laughs> and I figured that Teddy wouldn't respond immediately to my text. And I didn't, I guess, have the patience to wait, but I was like, I'll just figure it out. Like, I trust Teddy. That's, that's fun. Wow. That's yeah. kind of, that's just a fun story. That is. It's really um, good. It's a dang, really good one. I'm a little disappointed now because you started the story with uh, Apple picking at Jazz the Bistro and I was like, uh, I was writing that down on my to-do list. <laughs> so yeah, I see how you bought it because I totally did. Too. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Peter. You've just really, like, you've really improved my self-esteem right there. <laughs> that oh, is I... a fun way to see Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> Under Apple false pretenses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were like, we're kind of worried that we like got you too hyped up, and now it's just like boring old going to see Love's Labor's Lost won't compare to. Uh, the possibility of, of apple picking at Jazz the Bistro. <laughs> that just the concept of like apple picking at a jazz club. At an indoor sounds location. so peaceful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like blah, 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 picking an apple, jazz in the background. Listening to Scrapple from the Apple by Charlie Parker. Yeah, I think that's Charlie Parker. If I'm wrong, I'm going to feel uncultured. I know the sweetest apple cider. But yeah, cool. Well, okay. I said uh, Love's Labor's Lost is my favorite 
chase for play. What about the rest of y'all's? Let's hear it. It's Charlie Parker. That's your favorite Shakespeare play? That's, that's <laughs> Scrapple from the Apple. Charlie Parker. <laughs> yeah, Charlie Parker is my favorite Shakespeare play. Uh, I like Hamlet. That's mainly a very <laughs> okay. good choice. I was going to make fun of you for being basic, but my favorite is Midsummer Night's Dream. So. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> Explain how I am basic. <laughs> yeah. No, because Hamlet's like, Hamlet's like, if you're ever a teenager, which most people <laughs> end up being at some point in their life, it's like, don't you ever just feel like so like weird in your like existence? Hamlet kind of just sums that up. And so it's like, it's like, it's the perfect time to read it. Like I read it. I was like, this is so relatable, which is dark because it's Hamlet. But I was Are so okay? relatable. My uncle I was killed like, my dad and slept with my mom, and now I, I'm seeing my dad again. Uh-huh, just yeah. things. Relatable. Yeah, you know, you know how it'd be, dog. <laughs> but just, like, working 13 hours a day and feeling like I was going insane, you know. It's just, like, it's Hamlet, you know. Anyway. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, don't send me off to England to be killed, please. I might. If Only if you try to kill me first. That makes me Rosencrantz and or Guildenstern, so please don't. <laughs> well, they're dead. So. Please tell me you've seen that... Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. It's on my list. I feel okay, so bad. No, I, I was say I wasn't saying that like as in like it's bad that you haven't seen it, but oh, as no. in like you seem I mean, like I know the kind of, of person yeah. to really enjoy it and like. Yeah, it's like it's on Amazon bring... Prime, I think. So I'll probably yeah. watch it at some point. Um. Oh, oh, wait. We can do that. Yeah. Ooh. Movie night, Norm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, mm. it's you, you. Just you strike me as the kind of person to enjoy it. Yeah, I started reading it at one point for extra credit, but then got super busy and stopped reading it, and I felt really bad. And in all fairness, I've only seen half, so like, uh, don't feel bad. Okay, <laughs> certainly half better than me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Alex, do you want to elaborate on Mister Nice Dream? Uh, favorite show. Yeah, um, so I'm a little bit obsessed with the concept of blurring reality and fiction. Almost every essay I've written in the past six years has had to do with that in some way, shape, or form. Um, and Midsummer Night's Dream, a, a good production of Midsummer Night's Dream, does it really well. Particularly Puck's final monologue, when well, when it follow, when it follows a properly magical dare i say eldritch i i would love to put on midsummer night's dream as an almost horrific like creepy <laughs> adaptation a midsummer night's scream long bottom turns into has an ass head just going long bottom harry potter now nick um nick bottom <laughs> nick um short bottom <laughs> Um, average bottom, I think. <laughs> Nick Adam, Nick Nick average bottom. Um, Nick average when bottom. like ima- like imagine just waking up with like an ass head, and you're like what, like like some psychopath surgeon like sewed it onto your body, and yeah. that's yeah okay. Yeah, when it's when it's a sufficiently meta or magical production of Midsummer Night's Dream, Puck's final monologue is just mind blowing because he goes. Did anything you watch just happen? You decide. And, like, clearly it did. But, like, if you've been put in the place 
for it, it can momentarily just make you go, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Well, that's actually really cool that you bring that up. Um, the whole idea of blurring reality. Because, um, so I actually studied A Midsummer Night's Dream um, in an English course <gasps> by Chuck Asung called Fantasy and Realism. Um, oh, I took I'm so the, jealous of you! It was awesome. And the thing is, I was oh. taking this alongside the Shakespeare course. I had to talk to the English department to let me take two English classes. So I could, I was doing Shakespeare and I was doing um, fantasy and realism and I was doing them back to back, just schedule wise. Oh so um, you, you lucky person. I know. And it was like the whole thesis almost of the class of fantasy and realism is everything human is a mix of the fantastic and the real. And like, not a day goes by where I don't think about that. <laughs> and, uh, like that context reading Midsummer Night's Dream is so cool. I think I actually wrote a similar essay about that for like my final in that course about Midsummer. Um, although it was about like Theseus and Hippolyta's commentary mm -hmm. on what's real and what's not. And, um, but no, that was like, that was one of the coolest classes I've ever taken. And I just want to talk about that. I wish I could take that class. Like my only consolation is that like, I have talked to Chuck Hassung about the class and like, mm -hmm. yeah, great man. Great oh, man. Fantastic. Anyone yeah. who doesn't know Chuck Asung is going to be severely left <laughs> out of the yeah. yeah. He's, he's this, this conversation has a nice ring structure because we started off with Chuck Asung and now we've circled <laughs> yeah. around back through Chuck Asung. Yeah. Circle of Chuck. We should probably still explain who he is. So, <laughs> is uh, is they can wonder. Mr. Chuck or Mr. Hasung, if you are attending his school and have not graduated yet, my bad. Um, is a English teacher at SLU High. And I don't know why I just took it upon myself to say who he is. You guys both went there. Uh, yes, he teaches English, and he is one of the most brilliant teachers that I've ever had at SLU High. I was blessed enough to have him for two semesters and a semester of homeroom. No, three semesters. I had a yeah. year of English class with him, semester as a senior, and then I was in his homeroom as a senior looking over some freshmen. So, yeah. Likewise, yeah. Likewise, I was blessed to have him teacher, three two semesters, and then also helped with or no, he was in Romeo Juliet, and then poetry and Shakespeare competition helped. Yeah. So, fun fact, a little origin story. That's where me and Norm met. Was in Chuck Song's oh. English class. Well, kind of. We were also oh, in the room, yeah. but we probably, I think, no, was, we would have met Band because Band is the first class that we ever had at SLU. Like it was. of the school year. Oh it, yeah. shoot, it was. So never mind. But kind of also because we had like a billion classes freshman year, and that's how we kind of hovered this around each true. other. Yeah, I'm exactly. not going to tell the stories of your freshman flatulence, but yeah. uh, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I've told this oh. story before. I'm not going to tell it. Um, but yeah. yeah, I also met Chuck doing Romeo and Juliet with Norm. He was he was the friar. Just fun. He's Baptist. So, like, <laughs> he was our Baptist friar, whatever. But, yeah, no, he's a great, great guy. He's Some not... of us in the cast have still stayed really good friends afterwards. And, like, he's, like, we sometimes go over to his house for tea. He spent a lot of one class talking about his giddiness as the friar, specifically <laughs> focusing on that word. He was like, I need to be giddy. And so. <laughs> And it was just great. Um, his class is brilliant. 
Um, I think that is a big part of what's led me to actually pursue English. Um, You're going to be another English major? I'm going to be another English major. Yes! Yeah. Uh, Join us! Have no job prospects! Absolutely Ooh. not! Yeah, I signed up for Is actually classes hard? today. I signed up for classes. At, uh, so my first semester is containing both um, a, a small class, a seminar course called The Literary Life. That is mm. a holistic approach to literature and also a workshop course with lots of like talking with current authors and everything. So that's wow. cool. And also I'm taking a poetry course. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Where are you going to school? Wash U. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it's going to be great. Neato. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's going to be good. I can't wait to never have a job. It's going to be so much fun. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 2020 happened and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I might have <laughs> rethought my plan of uh, doing a different major and then just like low-key Englishing on the side had that happened. But <laughs> yeah. But I'm glad I took the path I did. It's my passion. And great. I was I was going to ask after the recording was over if that was what you're doing because you talk like someone who would make a video. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the number of for four years, for literally four years since I've been telling people I'm interested in English. Anytime I do anything, people will be like, "That's a very English major thing of you." And I was just like, "Thank you." <laughs> I've got a jacket and a friend. You know, it's Daniel Gatewood. Every time. Oh, he sees me wearing that jacket. He's like, you look like an English teacher. And I'm just like, <laughs> don't scare me like that. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm I'm fully just like, I, I'm doing the college equivalent of breaking into Daniel's home in the middle of the night, putting him in a burlap sack and throwing him into the Globe Theater. I'm, I'm, I've recruited him for yeah. the Shakespeare Club that I'm in. Oh. And I'm so excited. It's going to be great. It's a That's great group great. of individuals, and he's amazing. I am going to... He's free to leave at any time. It's cool, <laughs> but he's free to leave at any time. <laughs> Let the record show that she's doing air quotes. <laughs> uh, anyone in the club will tell you it's a, it's a cult. <laughs> like... I mean, yeah. Uh, I am going to be the sure to best clubs are. find all the, the barred acolytes at WashU. Do it. Yeah, it's that's weird, good. It's such a weird group of people. It's like, it's not who you would, ex it's simultaneously exactly who you would expect, but like not who you would expect. Like there's a lot of like computer science majors. <laughs> not a lot. There was one. Uh, a <laughs> lot. Yeah. yeah. Nah, it's a good time. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> but yeah. Oh, Norm, you All right. I, it's, I see like 80% Norm's face and then like 30% his big old Shakespeare book. Um, um, <laughs> do we have anything else to say about Shakespeare? Because we are I, getting there. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm full of my Shakespeare goodies. Full of your goodies. That's good to hear. Um, any closing Shakespearean remarks, Alex? I feel like I should... I feel like there should be a, a quote or something. A quote. This has been a fantastic conversation. Ooh. I can, I can, I can do, I can do Puck's final monologue as a, as a. Oh please, that would be brilliant. This conversation. Okay. Yeah. Oh wait, 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 wait. You, we should do that. Actually, at well, the end. We've got end yeah. episode oh, okay. traditions that we need to do. My bad. For okay, the next cool. episode. But yes, yes we are going to totally me, end though. Puck. I, I do, I do want to say thank you for inviting me. This has been a delightful conversation, and I'm honored to be on the prestigious Norman Peter podcast. Thank you so much for coming. You've been a wonderful guest. Thank you. Mm. Alex Ford, we need your help. Mm -hmm.
we need an idea for the next episode of the podcast or for another episode of the podcast. Yeah, we need, we need a suggestion next. for the hat. Oh yeah. That's the thing. The hat requires sacrifice. Mm, hat requires sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I.e. one or more ideas for mm. future episode topics. Okay. Okay. Um, hmm. I'm gonna, go with high, I'm gonna go with childhood TV shows. That Ooh, okay. is awesome. I'm just gonna talk about Avatar: The Last Airbender for nine years. Yes, <laughs> good. <laughs> Let me know when that episode airs. I'm there for it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, quick right. question: What element are you? Air. Okay, respectable. I am an Earth man myself. Mm. Mm-hmm. How about you, Andrew? No. No, have you seen Avatar: The Last Airbender? It's on Netflix. You don't have an excuse anymore. Is that the one with the blue people? No, that's the other Avatar. No, that's the M Night Shyamalan movie. This is the best. This is Avatar: The Last Airbender, which I can say, with the backing of pretty much everyone who's ever seen it, is the best television show to ever be created. With you there, yeah. It had one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes until (laughs) someone gave it a bad review. Not because they didn't like it, but because they liked it so much they were mad they didn't have a season four. Yeah. But yeah, that if we pick if the hat decrees that we talk about childhood TV shows, I'm gonna talk about Avatar for literally all time. It's great. Alright. Is the hat ready, Norm? Oh yeah, the hat is ready. Alright, on three, Alex, the drill is we say praise be the hat. Okay. One, two, three. Praise, Praise be, the, be hat. the hat. All right, good, perfect. Okay. Um. The, the, all right. Cringy high school stories. Oh. Oh boy, that's good. <laughs> For those of you who are listening, oh. Peter's face right now. <laughs> That's a fun little topic we have right there. Oh boy. We got loads of cringy high school. No, or maybe we. They're not going to let me run for president. (laughs) You were an English major. They weren't going to let you run for president anyway. They weren't going to let you run for the president. Yeah, they weren't going to let you do anything. I know. I figured these days all bets are off as terms of qualification goes. True. Kanye's running now. Okay. <laughs> That's good. I but wish yeah, I was surprised. Democratic Party. Yeah. I, I really hate if I'm breaking the news to you right now, but like no. time. Right? No, I totally knew, yeah. In case this in case this shit story of, of two thousand twenty just didn't get crazy enough for you, we want to split the Democratic Party with a musician. <laughs> so that who already so that lost Trump the faith of most win. of the Democratic Party anyway. Also I think yeah. legally he can't run because there's some like there's like there's some sort of registration business that i don't know i read something about it it could totally be false the internet you know you never know all right um, all right alex would you like to read puck's final monologue and we can shizzle out of here if we shadows have offended think of this and all is mended that you have but slumbered here while these visions did appear and this weak and idle fiend no more yielding but a dream. Gentles do not reprehend, for if you pardon, we shall mend. And else to escape the serpent's tongue, we shall make amends ere long, ere long. 
else the puck a liar call. And so good night unto you all. Give me your hands if we be friends, and Robin shall restore amen.